we're turning to Psalm 83 tonight. And then we're going to Ezekiel 38. Psalm 83. One of the very, very neglected Psalms in Scripture. And I want you to turn to it on the because it is linked up with uh, Ezekiel 38 and, uh, and 39. And we're going to make a link between them tonight. Uh, I'm not going to recap tonight. Um, as I go along, I'll bring bits in from last two weeks, but you get the CDs or YouTube or wherever you want, and that'll bring you up to date. And where we are with this, uh, this theme, the Russians are coming. Now, that doesn't mean that the Russians are coming into Ukraine. That could well be and it might not be. But it means that the Russians are coming into Israel. That's what these chapters are all about. And they'll come in in God's perfect timing. So do... Uh, Take heed to the word of God. Maybe we'll just read a few verses of this Psalm 83 to get you familiar with it. Keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace and be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. That's a lovely phrase. They have said, come and let us cut off them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent they are confederate against thee. That will do us reading. As you go down them verses there, you'll find that the whole coalition that they have in Ezekiel 38 are there. But we'll touch that in a wee moment of time if you give me your attention. 400 years before Ezekiel penned the 38th and 39th chapter, in which he told us, and we explained the best we could, that a coalition uh, of Islamic forces led by Russia will invade Israel in the last and latter days. Now that leaves this psalm here 3,000 years old and four centuries separated between Asaph and Ezekiel but those names there that we're going to, not going to look at for we haven't time, but those names there are the same Islamic confederates, the ancestors of those who Ezekiel talking about in Ezekiel 38 and 9 and whom we are talking about this, this evening and these evenings when we're talking about Islam and the Islamic nations that are going to go with Russia into China. And... Uh, we know that they're going to surround Israel and destroy Israel. 
Now, whenever, or try to destroy it, whenever the psalmist was revealed this 3,000 years ago, he had a, a prophetical vision. And whenever this was revealed to the psalmist Asaph, it's the last of Asaph's psalms. Asaph's psalms are very interesting if you read them. This is the last of them, and he was moved physically when God showed him this thing. When he show, showed him that an evil conspiracy of nations, naming them, God showed him, would one day come and surround his nation, his people, and try to destroy them. And he was so burdened that he went right into prayer. Look at verse 1. There was no introduction. There was no small talk. There was no preliminaries. This man has a burden in his soul for what God showed him 3,000 years ago that hasn't even happened yet. And he had a burden, and he, he just went straight into prayer, and he says, Keep not thy silence, O God. Hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. That's two of the four O's that you'll find in this chapter, in this chapter here. Now they tell us that when the prophets and men of old in the scriptures cried the word O, it was used because they couldn't get vocabulary to state what they felt. It was just one continuous O. They couldn't put into language what they felt in their heart. They were so moved that they couldn't get words to articulate what they were going to say. He just comes straight in here, keep not silent, hold not thy peace, and be not still. Be not still. Now look at verse 2. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult. Now that word tumult is the word a whizzing, a whizzing noise. And we brought out in Ezekiel 38 and, 30, and 39 that there's going to be an awful noise of the artillery that's going to bombard into, into Israel in, in these days. He could hear this awful, awful noise. And you notice that he says, for lo, thine enemies make a tumult. He's saying they're God's enemies. They're, they're not Israel's enemies only, but they're God's enemies. My friend, it's a dangerous thing to fight with God. These are God's enemies. Remember Saul when he was breathing threatenings and slaughter and going to murder the Christians before he was converted? Remember on the Damascus road he fell and a voice came from heaven and the voice said to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He wasn't persecuting God, the Lord. He in his tent was persecuting the church. But he persecuted the church. He's persecuting the Lord. He that toucheth me toucheth the apple of mine eye. And so this man's crying unto God and he hears the tumult. He says, oh, God, there's an awful thing going on here, whatever's going on here. And uh, it's going to be an awful day. This day is going to be the greatest war apart from Armageddon that there ever was. And I want you to think about that tonight. In Ezekiel 38 and 39, we read about the storm clouds covering the land. He's saying the very same thing here. 
Verse 3, they've taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones or thy precious ones or thy chosen ones. Let me say to you, and I'll be saying this more and other nights, before Russia can invade Israel, we shall be hidden. Before this event takes place, that we're trying to get over to you in these nights, before it takes place, and it's not that far of hand, before it takes place, we shall be hidden. We shall be out. The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout. We're not going to see this. We're not going to live on earth. We'll see it from above. We'll have a spectator's view of this. We're the hidden ones. And if you're saved tonight, you're hidden in the hollow of his hand. If you're saved tonight, he has been hiding you all week. And if you're not saved tonight, he has been putting his hand on you to preserve you for the day you call on him to be saved. That day could run out very quick. The hidden ones. The hidden ones. I think that's a lovely Lovely faith. The, sh- the hidden ones shall be sheltered. The hidden ones shall be out. The hidden ones shall be away. And here we see in this verse that they, they took crafty counsel in verse 3 and they said, cut off them from being a nation. Sure, the Iran's making that statement nearly every day. The Iranians, are, nearly every day they're chanting, chanting death to Israel. Wipe Israel off the map. Death to the big Satan. Death to the wee Satan. The Iranians and the Palestinians and the Hezbollahs and the Hamas are chanting that day in and day out. Death to the Zionists. Death to the Zionists. Death to the infidels. And if you want further information uh, to, to link up these prophecies of 38, let me quote you from Psalm, th- Psalm 2. You needn't turn to it. Psalm 2, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing and the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder but he that sitteth in the heaven shall laugh. I tell you, the Lord is in complete control. He's complete control. Now I want you to listen very carefully. While many scholars believe that this Psalm 83 was referring to the battle of God and Magog, some doubted it. There was a lot of people, some scholars doubted that this is what it was referring to until, now I want you to take this on board very carefully, until the summer of 2006, 16 years ago, when Israel was under the brutal attack from Hezbollah on the north and Hamas on the west. One of the most fiercest attacks of Israel in this century. I don't know if you remembered or not. There's been so many skirmishes over there that you can hardly remember, but I remember them. Bombarded them day and night with fire bombs, car bombs and bus bombs. They ran in behind the children and women in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv and slit their throats. 
When that battle was at its height in 2006, when that battle was in its height, on the 34th day of the battle, there was a man driving a digger in North Tipperary. He was excavation, excavating a bog for plantation in a place called Fadi Moor. The bucket of the digger was about to come down on some strange object. And as they, someone said, as sharp as a lance, he spotted it. He jumped off and he lifted out of the bog, which is known now as the Irish Bog Scroll. It's more important, they say, than the Dead Sea Scrolls. Written in Latin, the pages of it were open and marked at this psalm. Brought to the museum in, in Dublin where it is, and you can see it, I preached on this about 10 years ago, and there's a fellow in the meeting, and he was in Dublin the next day or the day after, and he came back, and he says, I've seen it, it's in Dublin. It's in the, in the museum in Dublin. And they say that it's one of the greatest historical finds that ever was, and they cannot understand the soil and the type of the manuscript, how it survived. Now, people thought that that was pointing to the war that was going on then or the skirmishes that was going on in it, but it wasn't. And many scholars then, after that, or some after that, believe without a doubt that God was showing them that it's the war between Gog and Magog that's going to come to Israel. I never cease to amaze at God how he can turn something up just at the right time. And the hundreds of acres of bog land there just on that day, 34th day of the battle, it seems that God drew attention to the fact that this is going to come to pass, going to come to pass someday. You know, the historians in Ireland and those who talk about that, the unconverted people believe what the psalm said. The psalm and the bog. The Jews believe it. And the Muslims believe it. Because it's in the Quran that they're going to attack and destroy Israel. And God's people don't. Well, if they don't, they never preach much about it. We need to get into the Word of God and we need to study it and we need to see what God's saying. Why would God turn up an old scroll in a bog?
if he didn't want to alert us and show us the fact that one day this is going to be. Turn to Ezekiel 38. Keep your Bible open, Ezekiel 38. There are three reasons. There are three reasons why this scroll found at that moment, at that day, at that time, with a highlighting the cutting off of Israel by the evil, wicked men. There's three reasons why this could have been referring to 2006, but there's one. Would say that it couldn't have been. I have dealt with the other, with some of them during the week, the past two weeks. There are three reasons why, and I'm going to show you here very briefly tonight, and then I'm going to deal with the reason that it could not have been. It could not have been that war or any other war. You see, the first reason is this, and I don't need scripture for it, for we have so much of it and we have mentioned it tonight. As George W. Bush says, there's an axe, the axes of evil are working. See, one reason and one reason alone now that we wouldn't have known 30, 40, 50 years ago is the hatred, the hatred that Islam has for the Jews. And of course, Russia's atheistic, so they, they have nothing to do with God anyway. But sure, when you think, my friend, of the chantings and the roarings and the markings and the wars and the strife and the West Bank and all that's going on, so you can see it all building up. It's been building up and building up and building up. And it has built up now to a place where the hatred is so much that the call from Russia, they'll run after him. Now, the second reason is this, is in verse 8 of 38 and verse 8. And on many days shalt thou be visited after many days in the latter years. And in verse 16 of the same chapter, the latter days. See that? Well, these are the latter days that we are in now. These are the latter years the latter years in the scriptures are the years just coming into the tribulation and during the tribulation period. We're past the last days. We're in the latter times. It's late, my friend. It's late. Sinner, it's late. It's late. And if you're not saved tonight, whoever you are, wherever you are, listen, flee from the wrath that's coming. Flee to the arms of Jesus. Oh yes, we're in the latter times. 
2006 was in the latter times. 2006, that hatred was still there. Let me give you another one. It's in verse 8. After many days thou shalt be visited in the latter years. Thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have always been waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. For centuries, the Jewish people were scattered abroad across the world. Jesus told them in Matthew 24, told them through, the, through his speakings that the that Titus, the Roman governor, was going to come in and destroy Jerusalem and there wouldn't be a stone left to, ga to gather and the, the Romans ransacked it. And they were taken into, into captivity and they've been in, into captivity and they've been scattered across the world ever since, hunted by predators. Lambs amongst the lions. The Egyptians tried to destroy them. The Assyrians tried to destroy them. Haman tried to destroy them. Babylonians tried to destroy them. The Turks tried it. The Greeks tried it. The Romans tried it. The Crusaders tried it. Hitler tried it. But they're still today God's people and a mighty nation of people. This prophecy here was fulfilled when you'll gather back into the land, when you come back in with your people and you start to trade and to deal and to build and to worship, there's going to be a day right through Daniel and scriptures that we haven't time to go to tonight. I can bring you out scriptures to say that the people of God, they're going to come back and they're going to have their own nation. And that happened. 1948. Jesus told them, he says, when you see the fig tree beginning to blossom, lift up your head and look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. The fig tree is Israel. It started to blossom in 1948. They came back in and they established themselves as a nation and as a people. Isaiah 11, will they give you this scripture, Isaiah 11. It shall come to pass that that day God will set his hand again the second time. <laughs> they were taken into captivity before the second time and he'll receive the remnant and the only nation in history to be resurrected after 2000 years the only nation in history to be born in the day Israel's alive and well tonight as you're going to see now in a wee minute she's alive and well tonight and she's at the center of the earth and she's mighty in power. She cannot be explained tonight politically. There's no explanation for Israel. It was once a barren. It was once a desert. There was nobody in. The Turks ran over it. The British ran over it. The, the Egyptians ran over it. They all ran over it. Brother to not. She was scattered to the four winds of the earth. God drew them back. Politically, they're some of the greatest leaders and thinkers and statesmen and diplomats that the world has ever produced. Economically, she leads the industrial economic growth of the world. 
Agriculturally, the desert shall blossom like a rose, and it's blossom like a rose. They're producing more fruit, more vegetables, more stuff. Intellectually, Solomon, Gamaliel, Paul, just to say some of the scriptures, Albert Einstein, Karl Marx, Sigmund Freud, spiritually, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Abraham, Moses, Isaac, Jacob, and one who outclasses them all, the Lord Jesus himself. They are not God's beloved people. God loves the whole world. God loves men and women. He loves God so loved the world. He loves every nation of the world, but they're God's chosen people as well as his beloved people. And no weapon formed against them can prosper. And when these evil men come to destroy it, he will destroy them. They'll not fire a shot. They'll not open a tank. They'll not fly a helicopter. God's going to draw them in. We saw last week with hooks in their jaws, and he's going to draw them in. They're thinking they're going for the, for the minerals and the potassium and all the mighty stuff that they have. There's more stuff in the Dead Sea than in the rest of the world to feed the world. Someone said when God was creating the world, he, he, so, someone might have asked him, why are you putting so much stuff into the Dead Sea? Why is there so much mineral, so much vegetables, so much power, so much stuff in the... And, and, and someone said, God might have said, I'm, I'm, I'm baiting a trap. See, God's one day is a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. God has baited a trap in the, in, the, in the Dead Sea and the other jewels and the wealth and the oil and everything else that they have that nobody knows what they have. Only the big oil find that they found there not so long ago down at Haifa. Haifa. They're going in. We, we're going to read this on another night and we pass it another night. They're going in for the booty. They're going in for the goods. They're going in for the material. They're going in because the brush and bear's hungry tonight. And whatever she gets out of Korean will not satisfy her. He put hooks in their jaws and he's drawn them in. Because no weapon formed against them will prosper. So it could have happened because they're back in the land. It could have happened because they're in the latter days now. Could have happened because the hatred is boiling up all around us is there. But I want you to look at verse 9 of chapter 38. Think of what we have been reading in Psalm 83 when we read this. Speaking to Russia, and I prove that this is Russia, and I prove that Gog is the head leader of Russia. I'm not going to say it's going to be Putin. But he's a top man at the top, and it was, that's what Gog means nine times it's in these chapters. That, that's what Gog means, the man upstairs, the man at the top. It was very interesting to hear a lady broadcaster on some of those channels the other night saying, we don't know what the man at the top's going to do. That's what she said. 
Well, that's who he is. That's what Gog, he's the, he's, the, he's the man at the top. He's the man in charge. We don't know what he's going to do. And then in another bullet, in the same day, another fellow said, the man at the top's very generals don't know what he's going to do. Well, that tells me he's a dictator. If his top generals doesn't know what he's going to do, is it because he can't tell them because they, 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 they'll not keep it a secret? Or is it because he's afraid of them? Listen tight to the news with your Bible open. Verse 9. Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land. I tell you there'll be hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Islamic militants breathing out death and slaughter along with what Russians are. And all thy bands, and those are the ones that are with them. We didn't go into who they were, but we don't really know. And many people with thee. Thus says the Lord God, it shall also come to pass that at the same time things shall come into thy mind and thou shalt think an evil thought. (laughs) Wouldn't be hard for an boy to think an evil thought. This is God speaking He says, things will come into thy mind and thou shalt think an evil thought. And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages and will go up to them that are at rest and dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, without bars, and without gates. And I'll go to take the spoil and take the prey and to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations that have gotten cattle. When you get the word cattle, it means not just livestock, it means all sorts of material things. Cattle, goods, that dwell in the midst of the land, in the midst of the land. Plenty of it in the midst of the Dead Sea. Now just you let that sink in a wee minute now. Israel is not at peace tonight. Israel's walls and barriers and surveillances and 40-mile wall around the West Banks still up tonight. The gates are locked. The bars are across every area into it, the biggest, tightest security in the world. The greatest surveillance and cameras in the world. She's not at peace tonight. And when this invasion happens, I am told, God says, that the bars will be off and the locks will be out and the walls will be down and they'll be resting in peace. More peace treaties have been signed and talked about in Israel than any other country in the world. 
all the peace treaties that they have signed and written, take a hundred blue bins to carry them away. Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, Clinton, the Egyptians and the Syrians, and many, many more tried to broker peace with Israel, but they could never do it. There's one man. There's one man that's going to do it. And his name is the Antichrist. The beast of Brussels. The man of sin. The deceiver, the liar, the wicked one, the son of perdition. And that's only a quarter of his names given in the Bible. He's going to delude them and he's going to deceive them. Do you know why? Because he's the devil incarnate. And he's the greatest power apart from God on this earth, the devil. Don't you be fooling about and talking about the devil annoying you the day for he has nothing to do with you. He has more to do than worry about you. He has demons. Hordes of them. Nemesis. But it's very unlikely that the devil himself would come near me. For he's in the Middle East and he's out there in the midst of all that and he's running to and fro in a man tonight and I'm not going any further than that. Listen to what Paul says about him. Whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, with all deceivableness and unrighteousness, with a strong delusion to make them believe the lie. Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 11. When he is revealed, he cannot be revealed until the church goes. Now, I know those people don't agree with this, but I would challenge you now. Challenge you. And I have thrown out this challenge from 33 years here. We cannot, he cannot, he cannot not appear. I believe he has appeared. He cannot reveal himself until the time is right, until God allows him. And next week, maybe, and the week or next week, Annie, we'll come down from this moment than the rapture right down to this part of Ezekiel 39. So come back if you can. He cannot, he cannot reveal himself. He cannot lift a finger. He cannot do a dirty deed. He cannot do a dirty act himself. But there's a spirit working, which is the spirit of Antichrist at the moment. I have no doubt that he has appeared. And I don't know when he'll reveal himself, or I don't know when the Lord's going to take the church out, because then shall he reveal himself once we go. Second Thessalonians 2, 3. Read those Thessalonian epistles. So I don't know, but I would feel it's very near.
I would feel from looking over the world and listening to things that are going on and reading my Bible, I would feel that it's very near. Michael Hunt says he rose somewhere this morning, he shaved himself, took his briefcase and got a taxi or a train into Brussels because that's his headquarters will be in Brussels. He has to be alive. He has to be. He has to be somewhere manipulating and working and watching what's going on. He has to be somewhere. He has to be given help and given information, but he'll not reveal himself, nor God will not identify him to others until we go. As old Hadley Murphy used to say, I'm an important boy, he says, because he can't come until I go. And we'll deal next week with the rapture coming right down to this moment. Because the next thing in God's prophetical candor is the rapture. There's not, no, don't be looking for signs for the rapture. All the signs are to do with us coming to the air, coming to the earth. There's two comings. Now you just don't get complicated about that tonight, for we'll make it very plain to you when the time comes. He's going to burst the clouds some of these days in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. There's no signs at all. All all we're waiting for is sounds, the sound of the trumpet, the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I tell you, that crack could come tonight. God help you if you're not saved, but you're staying to go under this boy here. And you're staying to take the mark of the beast. And you're staying, you're going into a tribulation period that this world has never seen the like of. And listen, sinner tonight, listen to me, wherever you are. There'll be no three night prayer meetings anymore. There'll be no preaching like you heard on Sunday night anymore. There'll be no boys going out of the meeting like Sunday night and the tears chipping down their face because of their sin. There'll be none of that. You'll be damned. And you'll have the mark of the beast 666 either on your forehead or on your right hand. And that doesn't need much explaining today. I heard men 50 years ago preaching like that and you couldn't understand the word they were saying. You understand it now. It's all you have to do now. And if you lose your right hand, you'll have it on your forehead. You could take the right, they could lose the right arm, but you can't lose the forehead for you lose the head, all's gone. This is a masterpiece of the devil. And you look for your wife and she'll be away and you'll look for your son and he'll be gone. And you'll say, oh God, I should have prayed for that fellow. Are you saved tonight?
This beast of Brussels, this man of sin, this man filled like Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, he's filled with the holy evil of the devil. He's a counterpart. And he'll have answers to everything. You know, the devil's a long time gone. He knows the tricks of the trade. And he knows them. He knows them very well. Daniel 9 and 27 says, The prince shall sign a peace covenant with Israel for seven years. His first place, the first port of call for the devil-indoctrinated Antichrist will be Israel. For he knows, he knows he has to settle that first. Now, I don't know how he's going to settle it. It's going to have to be something big. There's going to be, have to be some negotiating. There's going to be, have to be some delusion. And that's what it says, a delusion. So I tell you it'll take something to delude the Jews. But didn't Jesus say that he'll deceive the very elect? It'll take some delusion because they'll have to take down Dome of the Rock down that's the fourth most important place for the Muslims in the world. Because where the Dome of the Rock is, the temple's going to be built, and the temple's going to be built during the tribulation because the Antichrist is going to come back into the temple. So I tell you, I don't know what what will go on to get that out of the place. Of course, the, of course it come down very handy. Many ways God could take it down. But he's going to make a peace treaty for seven years and he's going to break it at three and a half years. He's going to break it right in the center and he's going to turn then on the Jews and their eyes will be opened and they'll realize that they're deceived and they're deluded. And then the slaughtering match right up at Armageddon will go on. Now here's what I want to close with tonight. Because I want to turn from the prophetical a wee bit to the practical because I'm keeping stuff for another night. It was when all this security was dismantled and the walls of protection were down and the bars and the locks and the gates were off. That there was a whisper came into his ear in verse 9. Do you see that? Thus says the Lord God, it shall also come to pass at the same time shall things come into thy, into thy mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought.
Did the devil whisper in his ear? Did the devil say to him, now's the time? Now's the time. See, it wouldn't be hard to put an evil thought into the mind of the Russian leader. Sure it wouldn't. For we know rightly well, and you and I who are honest tonight, we know what it's like when the devil pumps evil thoughts into our mind. And maybe he's been doing some of that today with some of you. He's putting evil thoughts. The devil will not put good thoughts in your mind, that's sure. He's putting evil thoughts into your mind about your health, about your family, about your marriage. Do you know what he's been whispering in some of your ears today? But let me tell you, God knows the thoughts of the heart. He knows the thoughts of the heart. Psalm 139. And, and a lie, a lie whispered into this boy's ear, now's the moment, now's the time, now's the time to hit. They have the bars down, they have the walls down. They're lying at ease, they're lying at pleasure. Now's the time to strike. This is your opportunity. Muster your hordes and demons and nail, nail them now. They're the armor off. They're defenseless. Friend, this has always been the devil's strategy. When the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and going into the land and Joshua was leading them and the attacks were coming from the Amalekites, he didn't face Joshua and he didn't face the warriors at the front, but he came round the back to the women and the children and he nailed the women and the children. And he laughed at your child too. Moses and Aaron and her lifted up, lifted up the hands of Moses and he prayed and every time he prayed, the devil would back down. And I tell you, we need to keep at the praying. I see some of you here and you're never in a prayer meeting. God help you. The devil's dirty. Whenever he got Job's ten family, ten children, when he got them all in the one house, when he got them all together, when they were feasting and when they were carousing, when they were drinking, then he came with a crack with the wind and tossed the house and killed the tenant. He waits, he waits for his opportunity. Whenever our Lord Jesus and the disciples were crossing over the man from Gadara, the Lord was sleeping in a pillar in the hinder end of the boat, sleeping at peace and the peace and the, and the sea was calm and all was going well. And suddenly the storm came. He'd have wiped the whole lot of them out for them all together. He's a dirty foe. And what the thought is now, come, we'll tack them, we'll hammer them, we'll get into them. And we'll get the spoil and we'll get the beauty. The, the beauty. My friend, this is the spirit of Antichrist at work today. 
Now listen to what I'm going to say, and I hope you don't take me up. If you do take me up, I don't care because I have this from the Lord. Let me say this. This is what happened in November 2019. Do you hear me out there, preachers and ministers? The devil blew the trumpet and mustered his demons. And he said, Attack now the Redes in Zion. Attack now they've settled on their lees. Attack them now. There's little or no prayer and no power. Attack them now. Some of them only go out once a week and they're not saved at all. Some of them think they're saved and they're backslidden and they're carnal and they're fighting amongst one another. Attack them now. The power's gone. The anointing's gone. The fire's gone. The burden's gone. The zeal is gone. There'll be a walkthrough. And the devil marched into her land without firing a shot and closed up the whole church. The lion roared and we all ran and before we got to the gates we had masks on us. Mass, it doesn't matter what the master says. Can he not protect us? The jag, but not Jesus. He can't do anything for us in this dilemma. The booster, but not the blood. The blood can't cover us. He can't cover us. God can't protect his own people. He can't hide his people in the storms and the trial. Run to the scientists. Run to the world. Run to what these boys are saying. And if you don't, you're a murderer. I'm praising God tonight that some of us put the walls up. And prayed up and brought down the gates of praise into the fellowship and got the table back and the Sunday school back and the children back and the word of God out to the saving of souls again last night. Oh, the lie. The lie. The devil's lie. The spirit of Antichrist is already at work. And will you get men and women who are supposed to be Christians and they're not in the battle and they're not in the fight and they're not at the, they're not at the family altar and they're, and, 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 and they're not reading their Bible and they're not witnessing out in the the, de- the boy, I'll tell you, mincemeat for the devil. I wonder, does he say about some of us, get him today there, get him today. Look at what he's at. Get her today. Hammer today. Now's the opportunity. The armor's off. My friend, get the armor on again. That's what happened to David. David lay in his bed till evening time when his men were out at the battle, when they were out fighting. He should have had the armor on and he should have been out in front, but he had the armor off. 
And you know where that ended him. You get that our spiritual armor back on you as quick as you can get it back on. You get the shoes of the gospel of peace, the breastplate of righteousness and the girdle of truth and the helmet of salvation above all the shield of faith against the fiery darts and hold it against the fiery darts of the wicked and challenge it when he comes and hold it against him and he'll flee. Let me close by saying this. This is the very, very same thing that happened in Nehemiah's day. The walls were down. The gates were burnt with fire. The enemy had desecrated the house of God. And the work began and the same ancestors of the crowd that's going to come in with Russia. Sanballat, the Arabians, Tobiah, Ammonites, Ashadites. And they surrounded Nehemiah. Nehemiah wept and he prayed and he fasted. He says, I can't, we can't have this. And some of us did that here. We can't have that. We can't have this. We're not having this. And we, I tell you, my friend, and we and the truckers in America and the truckers in Canada and thousands of men and, and, and specialists from the hospital in Northern Ireland that rang me are all beginning to see now this, this, this is control. He wept and he fasted and he prayed. We can't let the walls down. We can't let the gates be burnt with fire. We can't let the enemy trample over the holy temple and the holy place. We will not and we cannot. And he rose up and he got permission from the king and he went down and he got a candle of men together and he started to rebuild the walls again. And as soon as he started to rebuild, then the enemy came. Do you know how many times they said to him, when he was up on the wall, do you know when any time the enemy, they say, that's no good, that worked. You know, if a fox walked over that, the whole thing would fall. You're only wasting your time. Told lies and everything. Went back to the king with lies. Told everything they could about. He said, they called him down, come down. Ten times they called him down to the wall. Ten times the police came here, you know. But we have to go on. We have to stand to our convictions. We have to stand to what we believe. We have to hold on to what we believe or else we're nothing. We have to stand on the word of God. We can't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And the, and the word in Nehemiah says, what they said was this. He says, we'll cause the work to cease. All they wanted to do was to cause the work to cease. And it ceased all over the country. Cause the work to cease. I close with this thought tonight. God knows my heart. Isn't it mighty and wonderful to know that we have a God He told the psalmist 3,000 years that something was going to take place that hasn't yet taken place. 
Isn't it amazing that we have a God tonight, however into the bog of Ireland to come that scroll, that psalm? God preserved it. And those in the museum says it's a miracle. Other parts of the scriptures was destroyed, but not Psalm 83. Isn't it amazing tonight that a boy with a finger on a digger, on the control of a digger, would see it and stop it just in the nick of time? One crack of it, it was gone. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how he can restrain and will restrain the Antichrist until he wants him to appear, to, to be revealed? His show and forth will not come until God allows it. John the Baptist was the same, Jesus was the same. And let me tell you in closing tonight, my friend, he will hide us in the storms. And not a shaft can hit to the God of love sees fit. He's a sovereign and an eternal God who's over your home and your life and your children. And he's given you a brain and he's given you a book. Get into it and read it and study it and start to trust God. Fear not man, for the fear of man bringeth a snare. Oh, you've been very, very patient tonight. But I have unburdened my heart, and that's all I intend to do when I come to these meetings. Just show you what the Lord shows me out of this precious book.